Hello there. Welcome to another special episode of No Extra Words, One Person Search for Story. My name is Chris Baker-Dursch. I'm your producer and editor. Part two of our 24 Books of Advent series. I'm not sure I did a great job introducing this series when I just got on the microphone and started talking last time, so I'm going to quickly tell you where the idea came from. I have, probably won't surprise any of you to know that I have a Christmas book collection, and it's extensive. It started with the books that I inherited that were passed to me from when I was a child. My mother died when I was young, so her stuff, including her Christmas stuff, came to me. And I think there were maybe 12 books that came to me, and I'm sure I have over a 100 now. One of my goals for this Christmas season is to get an accurate list of all of them, which I'm doing on Goodreads. So if you want to hang out with me and see what all is in this collection, I'm at goodreads.com slash no extra words. I just wanted to bring a different book each day with a different perspective, different ways people are celebrating this season through literature and story. And I'm releasing one of these or trying to release one of these every Sunday in Advent. And this is week two. And for those of us who are big into Advent, the theme for week two in Advent is peace. So we could all use some peace this particular season of the year. Oftentimes the second Sunday in Advent is one week after Thanksgiving. That first Sunday after Thanksgiving starts Advent on the calendar. This year, because Thanksgiving was early, we're actually two weeks out from Thanksgiving for this second Sunday in Advent. So it's a sign of how long this season really is. And there's a lot of chaos to it for a lot of us, whether that's work chaos, if you're someone who is working in the kind of business where this is a tough season for you. I have a friend whose husband is a UPS driver. I know if you're working retail or food service or some of those things, this is a crazy time of year for you. Or if it's in the world of activities. There are lots of parties and concerts and plays and all that kind of stuff is going on. If you've got kids, then there's probably a lot of concerts and programs and events that you're going to for them, as well as sports, as well as trying to do all of that Christmas stuff, the getting of the trees, the visiting of Santa, and all of those things that go along. So whatever season of life you're in, this is a nutty time of year. And I know some people revel in it and some people just want it to end. So I think we can all use a little bit of peace. But that has different meanings as we're going to talk about today. But I'm hoping to bring a little bit of quietude into the chaos of your season today. And the book that I'm going to start with is The Big Guy Himself. I'm pretty sure that as busy as I am feeling, Santa is probably feeling busier. This is Santa Claus's Short Poems from the North Pole. And this is by Bob Roxa. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Bob Roxa is a picture book author who's done a lot of short poems for kids, haiku for kids. He wrote Gaiku, which is a year of haiku for boys. And as much as I don't love when picture books get so specifically gendered, that's a really great book for, I think, little kids of both genders, talking about how haiku fits nicely into the world of a child. And these are haiku as written by Santa Claus. So the the conceit here, the premise, Santa has been gifted a book by Mrs. Claus, a book of haiku, and it's inspired him to write his own. So there are 24 haiku here, one for each day in December. And there, a lot of it is really about 
the everyday things that all of us are doing to get ready for the season. Obviously, he is Santa Claus. So he's in the workshop and he's taking care of reindeer and all that kind of stuff. But he's also getting a tree and singing along to let it snow on the radio and trying to untangle strings of lights. And it's also a very beautiful scene where he is because obviously he's way up north. So there's the snow and the northern lights and all of that. And it's actually for a guy as busy as Santa is. He's having a very nice and peaceful December. At least that's the way it feels. You can dip into these one at a time or it doesn't take long to sit and read the whole series. They're fabulous for kids. This is obviously a picture book, but I think adults could really enjoy this as well. It doesn't have the freneticness to it that a lot of the stories of this particular season do. And honestly, my favorite spread in this whole book is the final two-page spread, which doesn't have a poem. There's 25 of these. There's a poem for Christmas Day. And then the last spread you see is Santa sitting in his easy chair And he's got his cat on his lap and he's got his drink and his typewriter is next to him. And the calendar on the wall says December 26th. And so you can just see how he's just made it through his busy season. And now he's ready to put his feet up and probably read lots of poems. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, Especially, I think, if you've got a kiddo or if you yourself are somebody who gets easily ramped up by all the activity this time of year, this is a really nice book to kind of sink into, take a breath and calm down, which I think what poetry does for us is it has that take a breath and calm down moment. So that's Santa Claus's short poems from the North Pole. We're going to stay in the poetry theme for a little bit here. One of the questions that I have been asked before is, is your collection specific to Christmas? And the answer is mostly um, because it's a family collection. This is not the librarian in me wants to make sure that we represent all the holidays and all the traditions. And one of the things I used to do many years ago, in one of the first libraries I worked at is I would make a calendar on my bulletin boards for this time of year that would identify all the different holidays, secular and religious of the various traditions, um, during the months of November and December, because there are so many holidays celebrated, very national type holidays, like Thanksgiving, very religious type holidays, like Hanukkah, very cultural type holidays, like Kwanzaa. And then there's Christmas, which is a mixed bag. It's a little bit of all of that kind of, and there are holidays of some other religious groups as well. So it's a family collection my family celebrates Christmas. That's our main tradition. It's not our only tradition. My kid's godmother is part Jewish and has worked on embracing that heritage. So we will sometimes do a little mini Hanukkah with her as a way of celebrating that tradition. I do want to make sure that my kids get a sense of the broader cultural perspective and holiday perspective. And the other thing is, well, this is definitely a family collection. I've used it in my work before, especially when I was a school librarian. I would take these books and they were kind of my gift to my students for the last class of each grade level before the holiday break we take a break from library curriculum and read these. And as such, it was really important to me to bring in other faith traditions and to make sure that the books, a lot of them were more secular, um, just to be more inclusive. And I've also done holiday story times in a public library setting. It's important there too. So this is a 
wonderful book. This is called Winter Lights, and it's just beautiful. It's a season in poems and quilts. So all of these poems are illustrated by quilts, and they are just gorgeous, so colorful. You can almost feel how warm and soft they are. And this is all about the various winter holidays and then just general winter stuff. There's a poem in here that's about a fireplace. There's one in here that's about an icicle. And then there are some that are holiday lights. And there are some that are um, how, how early it gets dark this time of year. But there's also so many of the winter holidays are in here. Santa Lucia Day is in here. Hanukkah is in here. Christmas is in here. Posadas is in here. Kwanzaa is in here. Neon, which is, I think, Vietnamese New Year, is in here. It encompasses all of that in a really beautiful way without being super preachy. It's just about this is a season of the year that looks and feels like this. And here are some poems about what's going on. And then in the back, there's all about the making of the quilts, which is really neat because that is how this particular illustrator illustrated this book is by actually making a quilt for each poem. She's the poet as well. She's the poet and the quilter. So that's Winter Lights, A Season in Poems and Quilts. It's a really fun book to share because again, it's poetry, so it's easy to dip into. It's cozy. That's how I describe this book. It's it's quilts and it's winter and the book itself feels cozy. We're going to stay in the poetry vein, but we're going to move into the land of the grown-ups because I don't think I've done a single grown-up book yet. And we are now on book, let's see, seven, eight, nine. We are now on book nine of the 24 books of Advent and we have yet to do a grown-up book. So we're going to do a couple in a row. Um, This is by the late, great Maya Angelou. And it's Amazing Peace. My particular book is very basic. It's unillustrated. It's just the text of this poem. My understanding is that a picture book of the poem can be found, but I have not seen it, so I can't speak to what it looks like. This is a poem that she read for the lighting of the National Christmas Tree in Washington, D.C. on December 1st, 2005. So for those of you who don't know, there is a tree lighting ceremony that happens in D.C. every December, and... Famous musicians perform, and it's kind of a national moment of celebration. And she read this poem, and it was, um, after that, published in this little volume. So it's just the text of the poem. It's called Amazing Peace. And it's Maya Angelou, so it's beautiful, and it's rich. And it really is talking about Christmas coming into the world, even though the world is in a dark time. One of the lines is, Into this climate of fear and apprehension... Christmas enters, streaming lights of joy, ringing bells of hope. And that's really what this is about, is about that juxtaposition between a tough world and this amazing season of joy and peace that is, quote, louder than the explosion of bombs. So one of the things she does here is she encourages people to come together, Baptist and Buddhist and Methodist and Muslim and to come together for this celebration of peace and love and joy, which I really like. I know that not everyone celebrates Christmas for a lot of reasons, some of them religious. And I know that um, there are many other holidays celebrated this time of year. But one of the things that always sticks out to me is all of the major holidays that fall this time of year are about light, the coming of the light. 
in one way or another. And I think that really speaks to this sort of deep-seated need we have this time of year to reach for that light, even though we understand more now than we maybe did before about where the sun has gone to. We still have this deep evolutionary not longing to pull it back. And the other thing is, I know a lot of people do celebrate Christmas either alongside other religious traditions or on its own for non-religious reasons. For some people, Christmas is really just all about family and good food and good celebration. I know many, many people who celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. I know some people do one or the other, but I know people who do both. And um, while the holiday isn't for everyone, and I'm not saying everyone should or needs to celebrate it, I think there's room in the big tent of Christmas for anybody who wants to, regardless of their religious tradition, who wants to come under the tent. And I think you can take Christmas a la carte. You can take the religious pieces or you can leave them behind. There's room for it all. I have a friend who was raised non-religious and her husband was raised, I think, Hindu. So neither one of them have any childhood experience of Christmas at all, but they now have a four-year-old. So they're trying to embrace it because he wants to do it. And she said, you know, she put up a fake plastic tree and covered it with bobbles and shiny stuff and sprayed an evergreen scented air freshener in the room. And she said, it's weird, but you know, we're kind of enjoying it. And I think Whatever this complicated season of the year means to you, it gets tied up with religion, but I honestly think of the two as being very separate, the religious holiday and the secular holiday, and I think both are beautiful. And while both are 100% optional, I think you're welcome. And that's just the feeling I get from this book, is it's kind of the big tent of Christmas, that there's room in this longing for peace season for anyone and everyone who wants to be a part of it. So that's Amazing Peace, a Christmas poem by Maya Angelou. But this is where things get a little difficult, because peace is not just this nice thing that happens. It has to be earned. It has to be worked for. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, the powers that are greater than me know why, we are not a species that that lands automatically in a state of peace. For some reason, we are a species that lands automatically in a state of conflict and fighting. Peace has to be taken and fought for and won and earned. And that's where I get to my next book, Alex Haley, A Different Kind of Christmas, which I just read for the first time this Christmas season. It's been in my box and in my collection for a while. Don't know where I got it. It's obviously used. It has somebody else's name in it. But um, pick this up somewhere. And here's my Alex Haley story. When I was 13... I was taking an English class as in seventh grade. And at that time we still had like a sustained silent reading block that we did. I don't have any idea how often. I don't know that kids do that as much at that level of school anymore because we have decided that there are things that are more important, which I have opinions about. But at that time, we still had a chunk of time, maybe a couple times a week where we got to read freely a book of our choice in school. And I ended up keeping my father's copy of Alex Haley's Roots in my locker because it was a heavy book and I couldn't schlep it back and forth to school and carry it around. But because my English class was close to my locker, I could leave it there and I could grab it when we were going to have this reading and I would get half an hour chunks to read this book. If you don't know Roots, it's something like 700 pages long. 
And it is Alex Haley, who is an African-American writer and journalist, traced his family history back to Africa. So Roots is the story of his original ancestor who came, was captured from Africa, came on a slave ship to the United States, and was in bondage. And his descendants. So it's the story of this family from the... I can't remember if this ancestor came to America before or after the revolution, but from the 18th century through to the 1960s or whenever Alex Haley was writing, it's an absolutely phenomenal book. Um, I don't think it gets talked about as much anymore. It's several, several decades old at this point, but it was a TV miniseries, which is why in my era, it was so well known. Everybody's parents knew of it because everybody's parents had seen the TV miniseries, which I ended up watching from the library because it was before my time. Alex Haley did eventually trace the other side of his family to an ancestor who was half black and half white, who ended up passing for a white, um, for a while. And that I think the book was Queenie. It's not as good as Roots, but it's still very good. This is a short novel by him. And this book came out, it's copyright 1988. So it's post Roots, but not by a ton, probably by a decade or so. So Alex Haley would have still been pretty well known at that time. And I really didn't know what to expect from this book. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a Christmas at the plantation, Christmas for slaves. There is um, a children's book by Patricia McKissack that is Christmas in the Big House, Christmas in the Quarters, that does a really nice job of showing what Christmas was like for slaves in, I think it's 1855, versus for their owners. And what I like about it is it communicates how we have people finding humanity and finding a way to take a holiday in and amidst the horrors of slavery without glamorizing slavery. I think what is really hard to do is when you share something like slave Christmas traditions or slave wedding traditions, it's easy to make it sound like it's okay. Like people are coping because they managed to do this and celebrate and get married and everything anyway, despite the bondage. And it's not okay. It's, never going to be okay that this happened to people. The stories of how they coped are beautiful because they are the stories of humans coping amidst horror. They're not beautiful because it's okay. And it's a great book. But I wasn't sure what this one was going to be. And when I first started reading it, it was about a white man going to university in the North, in, in Pennsylvania, in 1855. There's something magical in 1855. I think it's because if you're a historical fiction writer, that feels like a time when it's the horizon is just so about to change and we know that, but our characters don't quite know yet. This young man is a proud southerner, son of a plantation owner. He's going to inherit this big operation and he's going to school in Pennsylvania, going to university there, and his family's very proud that he's got this great education, this great college education happening in the North. And when you first meet him, he's in conflict with some Northern students who are making fun of him for his background. And you see him not really fitting in anywhere. He doesn't feel like he belongs with the kind of redneck-ish crowd that's going to this university from the South, and yet he doesn't feel included when he's hanging out with people from the North, and so he's just feeling lost. And one day he's approached by some brothers who are Quaker, who invite him to go home and spend some time with their family in Philadelphia. 
if you don't know anything about the Quakers, this would have been the heart of the abolitionist movement. Um, the Quakers were really leaders in that front. And he ends up having a choice to make about how he deals with his own family's hand in what's happening as he learns more about what people are doing to help slaves escape. And as he learns about the Underground Railroad, he has to decide if he's going to change his behavior or his family's behavior or his family's participation in this horrible system or not. And it is really interesting because the the book is really very much about this white Southern character. You don't get a lot about the actual enslaved people until closer to the end. Um, you don't see a lot of those characters at all, which is kind of the opposite of Roots. Um, Roots really focused on the slaves themselves. And I read the dedication of this. It said, To the memory of all those whose courage, daring, and self-sacrifice made the Underground Railroad possible. And that's really what this book is about. It's about being forced to make a choice between doing what is right and what is easy. And I think setting it against the backdrop of Christmas is really interesting because Christmas ends up being a time when this young man is home for an extended period of time. And also when there's enough festivity going on that there can be covers for some running away operations. And so you have on the one hand, this festivity being planned and then underneath, it's the story of people's lives that are anything but festive. And I think it fits into this theme of peace because it is a choice. Working for peace, working for equality, working for justice is a choice. You can choose not to. Um, and certainly many times that's the easier choice. But when you choose to work for those things, there's sacrifice involved. And so I think taking a minute at this Christmas season to read things that are a little more somber and to remember that life is not always shiny and rosy. I think war stories at Christmas are also very interesting for the same reason. I spent last Christmas, my kind of somber read of the season was a book called Silent Night, which was the story of the 1914 Christmas truce on the Western Front, where Allied and German soldiers stopped fighting in an impromptu way and sort of wandered into no man's land and shared a smoke and stopped shooting at each other for a few hours. Um, Christmas in wartime is a very surreal thing and it's easy to gloss over it. We took my oldest to see the play white Christmas on stage last weekend. And it's really easy to forget that the opening scene of that show is a wartime Christmas, that they are trying to make a little bit of Mary in the midst of bombs going off and they end up, their party gets broken up because of, of an air raid. And so Christmas is not always festive and sometimes it's pretty, pretty brutal. And um, yeah, it still comes anyway. So that was kind of my somber thought provoking read of Christmas. And yet somehow still in its own way uplifting. Alex Haley's fantastic. And if you've not read him, this book is pretty short and is kind of a good way to get started before you take on the seven or 800 page tome that is Roots. So that's Alex Haley, A Different Kind of Christmas. Back to the world of picture books. Still a little bit on the somber side, but coming out of it, James Harriet's The Christmas Day Kitten. James Harriet was a veterinary doctor. I'm trying to see if this says where he was located. It was very bucolic, very British. I don't know if it was Scotland or just northern, northern England, but 
that part of the world. And he wrote a number of memoirs about sort of being the country vet for adults. Um, All Creatures Great and Small is the first one. And there's a whole series, All Things Bright and Beautiful. But he also did a number of picture books based on the short stories in those memoirs. And the illustrations are by Ruth Brown. And they're very beautiful watercolor illustrations. These books really evoke a sense of place. They're just lovely. Subtle, I think is the word. And A Christmas Day Kitten is that Christmas story that he writes. Um, And it opens with kind of a regular customer of his calls him in to look at a different animal and he finds a cat who's sort of adopted this family and, and kind of shows up every now and then to to take advantage of their hospitality. And that's just how she is. I, I had a cat like this who I felt like had other families that he would go visit when he wasn't with us. This, this cat. And well, Christmas morning, this woman calls the vet and the cat has shown up at her door but is not in good shape. And she's very, very ill, but she's brought her kitten. And she dies on Christmas morning in this woman's house and leaves behind this kitten. It's sort of like she's her last act is to bring her surviving kitten to the only warm home she's ever known. And you see this kitten be adopted by this family that's not really cat people and come to become just another one of the dogs. And it's just lovely. It's a very simple story sad in places, which I think is super appropriate because Christmas can also be a season of loss and is a season where we feel losses more keenly. My family just lost our longtime dog just a couple of weeks ago, and you feel those things very keenly at Christmas, whether it's human or animal, the losses. And so, again, it falls into the, it isn't always the most wonderful time of the year. It isn't always constant happiness. It's okay for there to be some bittersweet around the edges, and that can kind of fit into the festive sometimes. So the opening line of this book is, Christmas can never go by without my remembering a certain little cat. And I think Christmas can never go by without a lot of us remembering a lot of things. And this is a lovely book for adults or children to share together. It's a great family read. I'm going to close with a nativity story because that always kind of brings me home a little bit to a sense of peace this time of year. I have several nativity picture books. And the one I'm going to talk about is actually different than the one I thought I was going to talk about. (laughs) I literally don't have it in front of me because until right now, I didn't realize this was the one that I wanted to share with this episode. But I have a number of them. I have a board book version. I have a great one illustrated by Tommy DePaula that is pop-up pictures of the nativity, which was what I was going to talk to you about. But the one I really want to share is the one I picked up last Christmas, and it's called Refuge. And it's simple dual color illustrations and it is the nativity story. And it's told from the perspective of the donkey, which immediately makes it sound trite. And it's not, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's sort of like it opens with this donkey describing and it, it never, he never introduces himself as the donkey. It's not really about that. It opens with him saying how he carried this woman on this journey and you see them making this journey And then you see what happens at the end of the journey and you see the people who have come to visit and there's this moment of great joy and then there's this moment of great threat. And that's the part of the nativity that we often forget is there's this moment of great joy and everyone has come and they've seen this baby and they bring the fancy presents. And that's the moment that we all see in the kids Christmas play or in the manger scene or in the however we see this. That's the moment that we all see is this moment of glory. 
And it's immediately followed by a moment of threat. It's immediately followed by people are coming for this child. You know, there's a whole bunch of people in power who don't want this to happen. And they are coming for this child hard. And so there's an escape involved. And the Bible doesn't say a lot about this escape. Just that they went home another way. It doesn't say how long it took them. It doesn't. But this book really focuses on that moment of this family having to run into a different direction and sort of throw themselves to the kindness of strangers, which they find in the book. Very simple, just a few words per page, easy read aloud. It's it's easy to share this with a child. It's not brutal and scary and scarring, but it is deep and profound, and it does make you take a moment. And proceeds from that book go towards world refugee organizations because there are still people in many, many parts of the world who do not have a safe place to go and are running away by a different way because they can't go back to where they've come from and they're going to have to depend upon the kindness of strangers where they end up to help keep them safe. So that book is Refuge and it's written by Anne Booth and illustrated by Sam Usher. It's gorgeous. It definitely has earned its place as a classic in my home, um, in our Christmas collection. So those are your next six books of peace this second week an advent. I know the math doesn't work out right because a week is seven days and I'm doing this in chunks of six, but it's because there are four Sundays in advent and there are also 24 days on your traditional advent calendar. So we're doing this as four sets of six. Um, again, the conversation is ongoing on Instagram and I also am cataloging the whole collection. So if you want to see all the ins and outs of everything we really do own in this crazy holiday book collection, um, come visit me over at Goodreads. I would love to be your Goodreads buddy, and I will be spamming you with holiday books all December long. Next week, the theme for the third Sunday in Advent is joy. So next week, we are going to take on Christmas through the eyes of children, because what better way to celebrate joy than that? But I hope this has been a brief moment of peace in what is not the most peaceful time of year ever. Hope you will take care of yourselves and find some stories along the way, and I will see you very soon. 